Today is Wednesday, July the 6th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is prediction season. As I lock in my predictions for the Gamecocks' first six games of the 2022 football season, I'll also talk the 2022 schedule and give my breakdown of which games are wins toss-ups, and losses. We'll also talk best case, worst case, the most important three-game stretch of the season, my most important game of the 2022 football season. And again, I will go game by game and lock in my score predictions for each of South Carolina's first six games this upcoming 2022 football season. Also, guys, we got your listener questions and a great conversation, fantastic interview with former Gamecocks running back Brian Maddox. He details his illustrious career in garnet and black guys we have got a packed show for you here on this wednesday and of course as always it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. go download the SeatGeek app go to seatgeek.com and when you do use the promo code spurs up to save 20 dollars off your first purchase of any purchase of 50 dollars or more they've got tickets to everything you need guys whether it be concerts comedy club events sporting events of course gamecocks football you name it they got it they've also got what's called a deal score. So when you go to their website or you go to their app, they're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying. So you're not overpaying, you're not overspending, and you know you're getting the absolute most bang for your buck. So again, guys, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 60 days until toe meets leather at Williams Bryce Stadium. But in the meantime, talking season and prediction season 
are upon us. Things start to really heat up this time of year as the so-called experts lock in their thoughts and their projections for the upcoming season. That will be. And folks, I am excited to say we have hit that time of year yet again where yours truly will do his best in breaking down and dissecting and predicting just what will happen on the field of play this fall. Folks, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And guys, again, I hope this show does find you what I'm going to where you are, what you are doing. I feel like almost we are entering into a, a new season of the Spurs Up Show, if you will. Because as I told you guys on the Monday show, we spent the last month, month and a half or so talking lists, right? Really in our peak off-season content. But now, now, folks, beginning today, it almost feels like kickoff is officially, unofficially here. Because now we're getting in the nitty-gritty. Now we're talking on the field. We're talking between the white lines And we will spend the next 59 days together, to be exact, breaking this thing down, dissecting it each and every single way you can think of, predicting what we think will happen as we count down the literal seconds until South Carolina football returns and year two of the Shane Beamer era Begins Again, guys, I am very, very, very excited for today's show, guys. Again, I know many of you are saying, Chris, I cannot wait until kickoff. I cannot wait until toe meets leather. I can't wait to be back in Willie B. This is a time of year for me that I do not rush because as a content creator, as someone that loves putting projections and predictions out there, I absolutely love this time of year. We're less than two weeks away from when Shane Beamer will speak in Atlanta, Georgia at SEC Media Days, and we're less than a month away from the Gamecocks hitting the practice field for fall camp and preparing for this upcoming season. Folks, I am fired up. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Let's get after it. Before we do, guys, a couple of quick housekeeping items and a couple of quick reminders. First things first, of course, guys, we are live tonight at Tin Roof, 6 to 8, downtown Columbia and the Vista, taking your questions, your comments, and your calls. Of course, guys, as always, $3 drafts, $3 rumple, $3 fireball as well. Great food, great people, great times. It's always a good time on Wednesday nights at Tin Roof. And I highly suggest, especially with today's podcast and all of the content and the subject matter that we are now discussing, I highly suggest You come on out to Tin Roof, it's going to be one hell of a time. Also, guys, let me highlight, you probably saw this on social media yesterday, but I am very excited and proud to announce that our merchandise is now on sale at Todd and Moore Sporting Goods in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. Of course, guys, you're probably all familiar. Todd and Moore has been a staple of Columbia for years and years and years. So for us to get our merchandise at their location It is a blessing, man, and I really just want to take this time to say thank you all so much for all those who made this possible and made this happen, all of your love and support, buying the merchandise on our online store, because that's really where this is birthed from. That's really where this stems from. You know, these retail businesses, these retail locations, they see the success that we're having 
on the online store. They see the merchandise out and about in public. And so I just want to say again, thank you to you all for your love and support, because without it, opportunities like these would not exist. They would not be possible. So, man, thank you all so much, man. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to work with Todd and Moore Sporting Goods. They have our Beamer Ball t-shirts on sale right now, Garnet, Black, and White. So, again, be sure, guys, to stop by there, load up for football season, and buy all the merch off the shelves, because if that happens, they're going to order more, which I fully expect that to happen, because, again, we're all fired up and excited want to rep the Gamecocks this fall at williams Bryce Stadium. But, again, guys, you can buy our merch on the online store, but if you want to get it in person and you're in the local Columbia area or you're coming through Columbia, what have you, you're in town for game day, Todd and more sporting goods in downtown Columbia now carrying the TSUS merch. I went by there yesterday and it's just a blessing, man. I mean, I tell you what, guys, I, I don't want you all to think that I take this for granted. That type of stuff is just dreams realized, man. It's stuff that years ago I was just dreaming out, dreaming about possibly creating a piece of merch and having it on sale to retail location and, and to see it in person. And to see it actually happen and see that dream come to fruition, man, it is, it's just a blessing beyond words, dude. And I have you all to thank for it. So, again, thank you all so much again for the continued love and support. And uh, stop by Todd Moore Sporting Goods for your TSUS merchandise if you are in the local Columbia area. And, again, thank you to Todd Moore Sporting Goods for the opportunity to work together. Guys, with that being said, Let's get into it, man. We're talking predictions. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. We are locking in our predictions. Now, you're probably familiar with it at this point, but if you are not, let me explain. On today's show, right, on today's show, this is part one of my 2022 Gamecocks football predictions. Friday's show will be part two. Why is this broken up into two parts? Because on today's show, I will also break down the schedule, talk best case, worst case, most important game, most likely big upset, most important game of the season, most important three-game stretch, I should say, uh, and then I will lock in my predictions for the first six games. On Friday's show, I will lock in all of the rest of my predictions for the second half of the season, and at that point, guys, you will know exactly my full picks for the 2022 football season. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into it. Part one of my 2022 South Carolina Gamecocks football predictions. And of course, as we go into the year, the lead storyline, year two of the Shane Beamer era, all of the additions, of course, leading with quarterback Spencer Rattler, which by the way, guys, next week we'll begin our season preview series where I'll talk offense, defense, and special teams more in depth and break each of those facets of the game down, if you will. But of course, year two of Beamer, you add Spencer Rattler, you add Antoine Wells, you add Devonnie Reed, you absolutely tore up the transfer portal. You come off of a seven-win season in which you won the Mayo Bowl, right? You surpassed all expectations in year one of Shane Beamer. Now, expectations get risen, right? Fans don't want to regress. Fans don't want to go backwards. They want to see continued progression, especially when you add the type of players you did and you add arguably, arguably, the highest rated quarterback to ever step foot on your campus. Guys, before I predict this season wins and losses and give my scores, let's break this schedule down. I do this every single year into wins, toss-ups, and losses. And let me explain my thought process behind each of these individual categories. When I say a game is a win or a loss, right, what that means is I am comfortable right now going to the schedule almost without thought 
right? Almost without thought, I am comfortable looking at the schedule and marking down a W or an L in heavy black ink. I, I feel like the odds that South kind of wins or loses those games will say it's over 75%, right? I feel very confident without any research saying that's a win or a loss. Of course, when I say a toss-up game, I think it's a game that's much closer to 50-50. It is a swing game. It could go either way depending on how, on how each team plays, right? So I'll go wins, then I'll go losses, then I'll go toss-up. So my wins that I have in the win bucket that I'd be confident putting a W next to in heavy black ink, I have Georgia State, Charlotte, SC State, and at Vanderbilt. And again, I think most fans would agree with those four. You have the three non-conference games, and then, of course, the game in Nashville. Yes, yes, you needed Zeb Nolan to leave a lead a late drive to beat the Vanderbilt Commodores, a game that, guys, I could argue you probably should have lost. Even with that being said, though, and I love Clark Lee. I like what Clark Lee is doing in Nashville. I don't see that being the case again this year, not to spoil, not to spoil my prediction for the Friday show, but I don't think you're going to need a last-second drive to win that football game by one point. So, again, I've got four games, automatically four games in the win bucket. That's Georgia State, Charlotte, SC State, and at Bandy. Here's where things get interesting. For my losses, these are games that I'm looking at the schedule. I'm putting an L next to these games in heavy black ink almost without even thinking about it. The week three home matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs and the game against the Texas A&M Aggies. Those are the only two games I have in the loss bucket. And let me explain. Georgia, I think, is still just head and shoulders better than you guys above you. Their roster is so much better than yours. Um, you know, I, I think if you beat Arkansas, certainly, which, of course, as you figured out by now, I have as a toss-up. If you beat Arkansas, you know, that game against Georgia is at noon, but who knows? You've got momentum, and maybe just maybe Spencer Rattler has his sort of like Garcia against Bama-esque type of game in which he balls out and leads the Gamecocks to a crazy upset. I think most likely, though, Georgia is just still better than you top to bottom at every single position, and it would take a Herculean effort for the Gamecocks to have any shot in that ball game. I also put Texas A&M in this category. Guys, just because simply, again, you look at Texas A&M, yes, they have to replace their quarterback. It looks like Max Johnson's going to be that guy. So they've got some instability there. Really, the way you view this game, I think, has a lot to do with do you believe in Jimbo Fisher and do you believe in Texas A&M at all? Do you still think they're going to be a 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four program? Or do you really believe he's building something special in College Station? Either way, A&M has absolutely owned the Gamecocks, and they're only getting better with that number one recruiting class. They just hauled in that $30 million recruiting class. I know you come off of the bye week. I know that it's at home. However, Texas A&M is just a game right now that I, I probably – it's not the toughest game on the schedule in my opinion, but it's probably the game I go into with the least amount of hope whether you like that or not. So I have just two losses in heavy black ink, Georgia and Texas A&M, which means my toss-ups are at Arkansas, at Kentucky, Missouri at home, at Florida, Tennessee at home, and yes, at Clemson. 
Now, these are games that I truly do feel could go either way. Now, are some of these games going to be closer to the win bucket or closer to the loss bucket? Yes. But these are games that I genuinely feel like you could make a case for South Carolina winning each and every single game. And I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. Yes, I included at Clemson in the toss-up category, and let me gladly explain. If you've listened to anything I've said over the past few weeks and the past few months, and yes, guys, even I am shocked and I am surprised to have Clemson in this category. But when you add a player like Spencer Rattler, and for the first time since the 2013 matchup, it's undeniable the Gamecocks will have the better quarterback when these two teams play. South Carolina, by that point, should be clicking on all cylinders, offensively especially. Yes, you have to go on the road. Yes, and listen, I still think Clemson, I don't think they're all of a sudden falling off and going to go 6-6. Six and six. I think they're going to be a good football team. Yes, Clemson still returns arguably the best defensive line in college football and a fantastic defense, even with the departure of Brent Venables. With that being said, when you've got a quarterback, you have a chance, and the Gamecocks will have the advantage at quarterback in that ball game. Again, on Friday's show, you'll hear my full prediction for that game. I see that as a toss-up game. But the others, I think, are usual suspects, and I think they're ones that most everyone will agree with. At Arkansas, we'll get into that here in just a little bit. I think that's certainly a toss-up. At Kentucky, I feel like every year is a toss-up. Missouri at home. I know a lot of you will say, Chris, you got to throw that one in the wind bucket. You've lost three straight to the Tigers, guys. I, until you, you snap that streak, I, I don't think you can just take that game for granted and say, oh, you know, no big deal. It's, it's, a, it's a win. It's a win. No big deal. That one's still got to be a toss-up at this point. At Florida, yes, I know they've got a first-year head coach. Who knows what the Gators are going to be. But historically, guys, you have not fared well in the Swamp. I don't feel comfortable just – inking in a W next to that game. And then finally, Tennessee. Tennessee's an up-and-coming program, guys. Josh Heupel's doing work. They've got Hendon Hooker. That'll be a great quarterback matchup. But I don't see that one. I think that is a toss-up. I think that'll probably be a night game at Willie B. I think that shot probably should be one of the best games of the year, honestly, for South Gun in regards to entertainment purposes. But uh, I think that's a game, certainly, that could go either way also. So, with that being said, guys, let's go through it one more time. My wins are Georgia State, Charlotte, SC State at Vandy. My losses are Georgia and Texas A&M. And my toss-ups at Arkansas, at Kentucky, Mizzou, at Florida, Tennessee, and at Clemson. So, that means half of the schedule I have in the toss-up category. So, listen, a lot could happen this year, right? The, the, the range of possibilities is very, very wide. And on that note, guys, let's get into my best case and worst case scenarios for this Gamecocks 2022 football team. And we'll start with worst case, right? We'll start with the bad news first. I think absolute worst case for this team. Listen, it would shock me if South kind of missed a bowl game this year. It would absolutely shock me. Assuming they stay healthy, you don't have to deal with any type of injury problems, I think you're making a bowl game. Worst case, though, if everything goes against you, injuries hit this team, Spencer Rattler is not as good as he should be, the defense takes a step back after losing Jalen Foster, teams on your schedule are better than you've expected, 
Worst case scenario I see is five and seven. Again, that is absolute worst case. And guys, I want to make that clear, by the way. A worst case and a best case. We're talking a realistic worst case, best case, right? Because worst case, best case, you're not just going to say, oh, oh, and 12 and 12 and oh. Well, no kidding. A realistic could happen, worst case, best case. Worst case, five and seven. And again, guys, I don't think that's going to happen. Spoiler, I don't think the Gamecocks are going five and seven this year. But hey, the ball bounced your way a lot last year, right? You were very, very close. You very easily could have been a four and eight football team last year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to think maybe that good fortune doesn't occur. Maybe the ball doesn't bounce your way this year. Maybe Spencer Rattler really was overrated. Maybe the offensive line hasn't improved at all. Maybe you still can't stop the run. Maybe you can't replace Jalen Foster and replace his production on the defensive side. And again, maybe the teams you play have all taken two or three steps forward and you've taken a step backwards. In that scenario, I see the worst case being five and seven. Here's where a lot of us are going to disagree. Because again, this is my realistic best case. Realistic best case, okay? And I know there's some of you out there that have picked the Gamecocks. Picked them now. Not even best case, just pick South Carolina to go nine and three. And I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. I really do. But what you are saying when you pick South Carolina to go nine and three is this. You are saying the Gamecocks, South Carolina football now, is going to win every single game it's supposed to win. And, and it's going to win most of, if not all of, its toss-up games. I think that is aggressive. I don't think that is realistic. So with that being said, my best case scenario, realistic best case scenario for this football team, eight and four. I think anything above eight wins. I think nine and three are better. Nine and three, even to me, guys, feels too aggressive. I just think nine and three feels too aggressive. I do. I do. I do. I don't see this football team. This team will be improved, but is this team going to be consistent enough to go nine and three or better? I don't see it. I don't see it. So again, my worst case, five and seven, my best case, eight and four. And I know that will be highly debated amongst all of you. Let's move into my most important three-game stretch of the season. I think the stretch that will probably define the Gamecocks 2022 football season. And there's a ton of them out there, right? There's a ton of different options. We actually ran this poll on Twitter, right? Let me get to it. I asked you all. What was your most important three-game stretch of this 2022 football season? 651 of you voted. Thank you so much for that, okay? Out of that 651, 50.4% of you said Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Missouri. 24.7% said it's the first three games, Georgia State, Arkansas, and Georgia. 24.1% of you said it's Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, the last three. And then 0.8% of you said other. Well, I don't always go with the majority, but this is a scenario in which I am. My most important three-game stretch of the 2022 football season, I do believe, is right smack dab in the middle. At Kentucky, Texas A&M at home, and Missouri at home. Because you look at this three-game stretch, guys, I could argue the two most important games of this season are in this stretch, right? And I'm going to get into it more and break it down in just a second. 
But the game against Missouri, most important game of the year, absolutely a must win, right? At Kentucky, I think it's the second most important game of the year. I think it's a game you look at that I don't see guys, we're going to get into the first six games, game-by-game predictions in just a sec, but many have picked Carolina to start the season three and three, coming out the gate, win the ones you're supposed to and lose the ones you're supposed to. I think if Carolina's going to get to a seven-win or greater season, I think you've got to start off better than three and three. Kentucky could be a huge swing game for your season. And then you got the game in the middle, coming off the bye week, taking on Texas A&M. And I think this will be a great measuring stick of just where you are, right? Coming off a bye, Texas A&M is a program most certainly on the rise, right? And you will be an underdog, and this is a program you've never beaten before. And as I told you all, guys, I have no hope and no high expectations in this game, right? But I look at this three-game stretch, you've got to have to win, you've got to toss up, and you've got a you're an underdog, you've got a chance to make a big splash in regards to a major upset, right? Coming out of this stretch two and one is pivotal, right? I think it's the difference in a seven and five season and fighting to get to a bowl game. I, I really, really do. I think this is a pivotal three-game stretch for this football team. This is the part of the season also where you should start playing your best football. No question. You should start playing your best football, right? The offense should be clicking. There's no excuse for the offense not be clicking. Fans are not going to be giving Marcus Satterfield until games eight, nine, and 10 to get this offense rolling, right? If your offense isn't clicking by the time you get to that game in Lexington week six, that game against A&M week eight, God forbid, that game against Mizzou week nine, if the offense isn't clicking then, Marcus Satterfield might as, go, might as well go ahead and polish up his resume because he will not be in Columbia, South Carolina for much longer. So with that being said, my most important three-game stretch, I do believe it is the three-game stretch at Kentucky. You then have a bye week, but then Texas A&M at home and Missouri at home. Guys, let's move to my most likely big upset. What is the most likely big upset on this schedule? You got some great opportunities, right? Georgia, Clemson, A&M. One could call Tennessee at home a great opportunity for an upset because you will be an underdog in that football game. At Arkansas, you'll be a dog. At Kentucky, you'll be a dog, right? Right? But the games that I focus on when I, when I talk about big upset, double-digit spread games, Georgia, Texas A&M, and Clemson, right? Those are the games that I focus on. Georgia, I don't think you're anywhere near their level. I, I just think, you know, the, the reigning national champions, you know, I know they lost a ton off that defense, but Georgia has reloaded and is recruited at such a level that I think only Alabama can say they've done a better job in recruiting. Um, they've also added offensive playmakers, and they will be fine. Georgia is going to make a run, I think, at possibly going back-to-back. They're going to be right there at the end of the season yet again. The only question I think is, does Georgia lose a game before they get to the SEC championship? I mean, that, that's, that's the golden question, if you will. So I think, Georgia, you're not quite ready to give the dogs a scare. As I told you all earlier, Texas A&M is a game that I look at and I say, I, I just, for whatever reason, man, I, 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 that is the game I have the least open. I don't think we have even a shot in that one until I'm proven wrong. There have been some abysmal results in that series against the Aggies. With that being said, 
My most likely big upset this season is the finale, the rivalry matchup at Clemson. Now, now, if you've been listening for a few weeks or a few months, guys, this should not shock you, as I said earlier, because I have said over and over again, for the first time in a very long time, for whatever reason, and I genuinely feel this, it's just something in my gut, right? There are some folks out there that would be, that would be, uh, you know, publishing the type of content or, 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 or saying what I'm saying to get a reaction out of people or get clicks or views. I just genuinely feel this way in my gut. I still think Clemson is a very good football team. I don't buy the narrative and the hype that the dynasty is dead and, and Clemson's going to come back and win eight games this year. They're going to be no good. I, I still think Clemson is immensely talented, but they have missed at one position that can haunt you. And that is quarterback, right? And you look at all the additions to South Carolina, and yes, I know many of us are burned from the game last year, right? We all thought that was going to be a close ball game. Clemson comes in your house and beats you 30 to zero. Beats you 30 to zero, right? And that made me feel like, God, I mean, I'm just never picking South Carolina to even compete against Clemson ever again because this rivalry is so lopsided, it's not even funny. But again, when I'm thinking about potential upsets, and I'm thinking about matchups, and I think what is most favorable for South Carolina, I know the game's on the road. I totally get it. But as I said before, and I'll say it again, and you're going to get sick of me saying it as we go to kickoff, as we get closer to kickoff. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And the Gamecocks will have the better quarterback in that football game. And at some point, guys, South Carolina's got to play Clemson tough. At some point, it's going to happen. Maybe it won't be this year. Maybe it'll be five years from now. But at some point, it's going to happen. And so when I look at the big games, you know, the, the, the early spread came out with that one, the Gamecocks, 16-point underdog. I'd take South Carolina right now in a heartbeat to cover the 16. I'd take them in a heartbeat. South Carolina may not beat Clemson but it will be a closer game than years past. I think under Spencer Rattler's leadership, right, this team will be primed to go into Death Valley and give Clemson the best game it's given them since 2015. I truly believe that. Again, I am not sitting here saying the Gamecocks are going to beat the Tigers, but if I'm looking at the big three in regards to big potential upsets, Georgia, A&M, and Clemson, well, of those three, I think South Carolina's best chance to pull off a major upset is that game against the Tigers in the Palmetto Bowl. Let's move off of that. And finally, guys, before I lock in my picks, the most important game of the 2022 football season. And as I told you guys last year, right, I picked the most important game to be week two against East Carolina. And many of you thought I was crazy. Many of you balked at that pick and said, Chris, there's no way it can be ECU. It's got to be that game against Kentucky. Here's how I view, guys, the most important game. Because I think many fans look at most important game and they label it as the game they want to win the most or what would be the most impressive win or what would be the most fun upset or whatever your justification of most important game of the season is. The way I view it is this. What is the game you can't lose and still have a successful season? Like, what's the game you have to win in order to have a good year, right? 
You can lose to Arkansas because I knew many of you will label that Arkansas game. You can lose to Arkansas and still achieve all of your goals in this season. You can lose to Kentucky and still achieve all your goals. Look at last year, guys. You lost to Kentucky, still went to a bowl game, still had a great year, Wonder Beamer. You can lose to Florida, right? You can lose to Tennessee. You can lose to Georgia. You can lose to A&M. You can lose to Clemson. But when it comes to swing games and toss-up games that you can not lose, that game on October the 29th, homecoming, by the way, that game on October the 29th against the Missouri Tigers, that is the most important game of this season. Guys, you don't want to hear this, but believe it or not, you might be looking for your first SEC win of the year in that ball game. And just because you beat Mizzou this year and you snap the three-game losing streak to Mizzou, which is inexplicable in its own right, just because you beat Mizzou, that doesn't mean you had a great year. But I can guarantee you one thing. If you lose to Missouri at home, guys, there's a good chance you don't make a bowl game. There's a very, very, very good chance you don't make a bowl game. And how on God's green earth can you deem this season successful if you lose to Missouri, who's not a great program, you lose to Missouri at home with Spencer Rattler as your quarterback? Explain that to me. There's no way. There's no way. So, again, I know many of you will disagree, right? I think Kentucky's the second most important game. We're going to get into that more in just a second. But at Arkansas, I see is the greatest swing game of the year, right? You win that one, all of a sudden, you open up the door of possibilities when it comes to final results for your season. But it's not the most important game. Kentucky's not the most important. Florida's not the most important. Tennessee's not the most important. Clemson's not the most important. In order to have success this year, in order to keep this program on a positive trajectory, in order to reach a bowl game, God forbid, improve on your win total from last year, you got to beat Missouri. You have got to beat the Missouri Tigers and snap that horrific streak you have against them right now. So again, guys, my most important game of the 2022 football season, the home date, October the 29th against Mizzou. All right, now that that's all in the books, guys, let's dive into it. My game-by-game score predictions for the Gamecocks' first six games of the 2022 football season. Before we get into that, though, guys, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Hey, when you're watching games this year, why not make some money while you do it? And our friends over at Prize Picks, it's the best way to do it. I know you love to play spreads. You love to play totals. You love to play over-unders. You love to play futures. Why not prop plays when it comes to college football and NFL and all of your favorite sports? Guys, when you sign over at Price Picks, go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry it's just you against the projection price picks allows mixed sports entry so for example guys you can take the over on lebron with the under on Mahomes. you can take the over on spencer rattler passing yards and the under on matt ryan passing yards right you can play college nfl mlb nba all together you don't just have to play one sport and also guys how many other books do you know that have college prop plays 
Uh, the answer is none. That's why Prize Picks is superior. They've also got a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're a 4.8 star rate in the App Store with rave reviews. Again, guys, let's crush the bookie and make some money this football season with our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you sign up, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And again, we appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up show. All right, guys, let's get in this thing. My game-by-game predictions for the 2022 football season. Again, it is as it sounds. I'm going to go through the first six games and give you guys my score. So without further ado, here we go. South Carolina will open up year two of the Shane Beamer era, Saturday, September the 3rd, 7.30 kickoff under the new lights, by the way, at Williams-Brice Stadium against a familiar foe, Sean Elliott and the Georgia State Panthers. A lot of fun storylines in this football game, right? You've got Sean Elliott's return to Willie B. Jemias Williams is on this team, right? Former Gamecocks defensive back. Jordan Strawn is taking on his old team. And again, of course, guys, anytime you're beginning a new season of football, and it's year two of Shane Beamer, but anytime you're beginning a new season of football, all the questions and all the speculations and talking season, it officially comes to an end. Now, Vegas dropped their line for this game about a month or so ago. And I told you guys weeks prior that I thought 19, 20, 20 and a half, I thought that was an appropriate spread an appropriate line for this football game. Well, Vegas disagreed with me. They had the Gamecocks sitting at just an 11-point favorite. And to Georgia State's credit, by the way, I fully expect Georgia State, they're going to give South Carolina hell. This is not EIU. This is not a scrimmage. This is not a game in which South Carolina is going to roll their helmets out there and just cruise to victory, and it's going to be, oh, no big deal. You know, we just show up and we get the W. I fully expect, if you don't think, and of course, we had Sean Elliott on our airwaves, fantastic interview. If you have not heard that, please go check it out. But if you think Sean Elliott doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and don't want to beat South Carolina's ass, I think we're thinking about a different guy, right? But so much excitement, the buildup, right? It's always exciting anytime you start a new season. But the debut of Spencer Rattler, all these new faces, both on offense and defense, and you want to get year two of the Shane Beamer era off on the right foot. And I posed this question last year, and we'll talk about this a lot this week on social media and on the Daily Crow and all that good stuff. But I posed this question last year before EIU, and I'll pose it again. Is there a certain margin of victory you need to see South Carolina win by for you to feel comfortable, for you to feel like, okay, you know what, we're right on schedule. I feel confident this team is going to win however many games I predicted in the win before the season start. Is there a certain margin of victory you need to see for the Gamecocks for you to feel confident in this season? Either way, Georgia State, I fully expect this team to come in and give South Carolina all they have. With that being said, I think Vegas missed the mark on this spread. I do expect, listen, there's going to be some uncomfortable moments in this football game. Georgia State is going to punch South Carolina in the mouth early. But the bottom line is this, the Panthers do not have the weapons. They do not have the athletes to keep up with the Gamecocks on the outside. I think you could see this being a a 20 to 20 to 10, 20 to 14 type of game at halftime. I think it could be close early. 
I do think the Gamecocks pull away, though. I think they win comfortably. And when I say comfortably, I mean covering the spread. I think, again, Vegas missed on this one in South Carolina. Under the lights, the brand-new LED lights at Williams-Brice Stadium. Spencer Rattler's debut. I think this is going to be a team that wants to make a splash on opening weekend. With that being said, I've got the Gamecocks beating Georgia State by a final score. Give me 34-14. to 14. South kind of starts the year off 1-0. A really fun night at Williams-Brice. And again, I think early on, you know, of course, Sean Elliott, they're going to have a great game plan. It's going to be a very physical game. Obviously, we know Coach Elliott is a line of scrimmage guy. He will have his guys ready to play. But at the end of the day, it's athletes that win ball games, and South Carolina will simply just have more of those high-quality athletes than a team like Georgia State does. But again, do not sleep on Georgia State. We saw what they did at Auburn last year. We saw them beat Tennessee a few years ago, and I think that's one of the reasons why Vegas has this spread where they have it at 11. I think it is a misjudgment, though. I think the Gamecocks will come out firing. I won't say on all cylinders, but firing well enough with their athletes on the outside. Guys like Jaheim Bell, Antoine Wells, Josh Van. they're just going to be too much for that Panthers defense. And Georgia State, by the way, guys, struggled, struggled a season ago defensively. They did have a lot of success running the football, so that's where a lot of this football game is going to be won and lost, is in the trenches. But I do think the Gamecocks at some point are going to pull away. They just simply have more athletes across the board. So, again, 34-14, to 14, I've got South going to win in that football game to start their season 1-0. We move to week two in Fayetteville at Arkansas. And what a test, by the way, guys right out of the gate for the Gamecocks in regards to physicality, right? The big question mark surrounding this football team, I think at least, is line of scrimmage play, both offensively and defensively. Bro, you're going to get three tests off the jump in regards to physicality with Georgia State coached by Sean Elliott, Arkansas coached by Sam Pittman, and Georgia, who's the University of Georgia, guys. We all know what they bring to the table. They are known for being physical year after year after year. But you travel to Fayetteville at Arkansas, a team that used to be your yearly permanent cross-divisional rival. I kind of miss those games against Arkansas. There were some really, really fun matchups against the Razorbacks. But a game that I do view as a toss-up and a game that I do think could go either way. Of course, Arkansas riding high after last year. They've got K.J. Jefferson returning. Arkansas with four of five offensive linemen back. Again, they're going to play a very physical brand of football. And K.J. Jefferson is thought of as one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Defensively, they got a couple playmakers back there, a fantastic linebacker whose name slips my mind. And again, guys, of course, when we get into game week, I will have much more in-depth breakdowns of these teams. With that being said, right, with that being said, I do think this will be a close, competitive, back-and-forth ball game. However, I unfortunately hate the matchup for South Carolina. As I just mentioned, four of five offensive linemen back for Arkansas. The Gamecocks have been abysmal on the road, by the way, since 2019, right? lost The Gamecocks have lost 10 of their last 11 SEC games on the road, and they are just three and eight in those 11 games in covering the spread, guys. So not only is South kind of losing on the road, they're getting blown out, right? They're not playing their best football away from home. I do think this will be a close competitive ball game. I think South kind of probably will cover the spread, but I don't like the matchup. I think Arkansas's physicality will be the difference in this one. And I'm sort of in show me mode when it comes to Gamecocks defense. Yes, last year you were top 10 in pass defense. That's all fine and dandy. 
But the fact of the matter is you could not stop the run. Arkansas, really tough to beat at home, by the way. I think they'll be ready to go. The expectations are sky high for Sam Pittman's ball club, and I think they will get the victory. Give me Razorbacks 31, South Carolina 24. Again, a hard-fought, tough game. I think Arkansas on the road, though, will be too much. I simply just do not like the matchup in the trenches because while I think South Carolina, we'll talk more about it next week, I think they'll be improved up front for sure. But week two against an Arkansas team that's really good on both sides, it's not the most favorable matchup in the world for South Carolina. So the Gamecocks fall to 1-1, 0-1 in SEC play with Georgia up next at Williams-Brice Stadium. And I think, guys, even coming off a loss in Fayetteville, this will be one Williams-Brice Stadium will be rocking. I know it's a noon kickoff, but I think the Gamecocks fan base will be raucous and they will make life hell for Kirby Smart and his Georgia team. As I mentioned earlier, though, guys, you know, could this serve as an opportunity where Spencer Rattler has sort of his, like, his his Steven Garcia against Alabama game where it's like anytime you have a quarterback, you got a chance. Maybe Spencer Rattler goes crazy. He goes off, throws for 300, and the Gamecocks shock the college football world, and they beat the University of Georgia. It very well could happen, but I'm not predicting it to happen. I think Georgia is still miles ahead of you in regards to talent, definitely on the line of scrimmage. Um, again, I think this is one I could see maybe early on it's close. You know, maybe early on, maybe at halftime, the Gamecocks are hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. But it will take a Herculean effort for South Carolina to beat Georgia. I think this is the toughest game on the 2022 football schedule. And I think the dogs just have too much. And I think they'll be on a mission to potentially repeat. I mean, I know they lost a lot on that defense, but, man, they're just reloading with five stars. And Stetson Bennett is back offensively. They've got offensive weapons all over the place. They've got probably the best tight end in all of college football. And so for those reasons I mentioned and many more, I think Georgia does come into Williams-Brice Stadium. I think they get the victory. Give me dogs 35, South Carolina 17. So South kind of sits now for the first time ever in the Shane Beamer era with a losing record, sitting at one and two, 0-2 in SEC play because, guys, as you might recall last year, the Gamecocks never dipped below 500 at any point. Well, here's the good news for South Carolina at this point. You get some relief in your next two ball games. You've got Charlotte and SC State upcoming in back-to-back games. First, of course, is the game against the Charlotte 49ers. That game taking place September the 24th at Williams-Brice Stadium. I think the Gamecocks, you know, I think they'll be licking their wounds a little bit. I think it'll be a very physical, hard-fought game against Georgia. And you've got that game against Arkansas, by the way. So really tough, physical ball games back-to-back weeks. I think it could be a slow start for South Carolina. But long story short, the Gamecocks guys will have enough to get the job done. Again, I think it's just the athletes. I think the talent-wise, the talent gap, I think you're much better than Charlotte. Um, they've done a fantastic job up in CLT building that program. I remember when I lived there and Charlotte was just coming to be just, you know, coming into existence. Um, they do have a lot of experience returning. I was just checking in on Charlotte before the show guys, they got a lot of experience returning. They've got a veteran quarterback. They've got a lot of their top playmakers back, but I think South on defense will do just fine in stymieing them. I think the Gamecocks offense after a sluggish start will get rolling. I think Carolina will cruise to a much, much needed victory, you know, after a really tough stretch to open the year. I think they'll cruise to a much needed victory, and it'll be a fun, fun time at Williams-Brice Stadium. Give me Gamecocks 38, 
Charlotte 21 for South Carolina to get back to 500, 2-2, two and two, and 0-2 oh overall. The Gamecocks then follow that up with the home matchup against South Carolina State. Again, guys, same story, different opponent. I think even more emphasized, though, I know South Carolina State, listen, I know they're a nice story. They're doing a great job in regards to the HBCU ranks. They won their bowl game last year. Hey, Nashawn Goddard, friend of the show, is the offensive line coach at South Carolina State. Guys, even he picked South Carolina to go 7-5 and five on Twitter, so I would assume he picked the Gamecocks, his alma mater, to beat the team that he currently coaches for. I'm not sure if y'all saw that. But either way, uh, the Gamecocks will have a lot of fun offensively in this one. I think they'll go up and down the field. I think this is a game you should expect to see in the second half, guys like Tanner Bailey, Braden Davis, Colton Gauthier, a lot of reserves that do not get a ton of playing time, and I think it'll be a blowout of epic proportions um, I think it could even be worse than the score I'm about to give, but I think the Gamecocks probably call off the dogs late in the game. Lock me in. South Carolina gets the win 49-10 to 10 over the South Carolina State Bulldogs to get to 3-2 and 0-2 and overall on the 2022 football season, which brings us into the Kentucky game, the final game of part one of my 2022 season predictions. And as I mentioned earlier, while this is not the most important game, I'd be willing to argue it's the second most important, right? There are a lot of streaks and a lot of trends right now around South Carolina football. The trend or streak, if you will, when it comes to this series against Kentucky might be the most disturbing of them all. As you all know, the Kentucky Wildcats have owned South Carolina this decade. They've owned the Gamecocks of late, winning seven of the last eight matchups. And while I picked Kentucky to beat South Carolina last year, right, and many of you hated that pick, right, I am someone that did pick the Cats to come into Willie B and get the W, but I still even look back at that game and say, man, it was right there for the taking. And South Carolina, for whatever reason, just could not capitalize. And, and I think that's what makes this streak so maddening. Is you look back, the seven of the last eight you've lost, you look back in those seven losses, how many of those seven do you look at and you say, oh, you know, Kentucky was just head and shoulders better than us. You know, we, we just they, – they were just the better football team. You know, we should have lost that game. There aren't many games you view that way. There aren't many games you look at and you say, well – you know, Kentucky just had our number and they're just worlds better and we didn't have a chance. There are not many of those matchups that you view that way. And I am someone that has given Kentucky as much credit, if not more credit, than any South Carolina content creator, any Gamecocks fan, dare I say, out there. Because you've got to tip your cap to what Mark Stoops and company have done in Lexington, right? They've built a solid program. They're not pulling in top 15, top 10 recruiting classes, but they've got a culture in place. They've got an identity. They know who they want to be, and they go out and recruit and develop players that fit what they do best at Kentucky. They play football the Kentucky way, if you will. And now they've got a pretty damn good quarterback in Will Levis, right? What's the situation with Chris Rodriguez with his legal troubles? I think he'll probably be playing and be okay by the time the Gamecocks head to Lexington, right? So expectations are sky high for UK. 
with Will Levis leading the way. The Will Levis hype has been incredible. Yes, they lose Wondell Robinson. Yes, they lose Josh Pascal on the defensive side. And yes, they lose a few guys up front on their offensive line. But you would expect Kentucky to be a typical, tough, Mark Stoops coached football team, right? With that being said, and I know many folks out there are picking South Carolina to start three and three, zero and three in SEC play, which effectively turns into three and four and zero and four in SEC play with A and M following the bye week. I said this yesterday on social media. I stand by it. It's going to be, in my opinion, really tough for the Gamecocks to get to seven or more wins if you don't, at minimum, split those two games against Arkansas and Kentucky. I think asking this group to win four straight SEC games down the stretch is a little aggressive, right? This game in Lexington is all going to come down to Spencer Rattler against Will Levis. Yes, line of scrimmage will be key. Yes, line of scrimmage will be important, just as it, just as it is every single time these two teams play each other. But, man, if you want to watch – a quarterback duel, this is the spot to be, and this is the game to watch. With that being said, guys, I I, I want to keep the expectations for Spencer Rattler realistic. I, I really do. But I just cannot get around the fact if Spencer Rattler is the guy that I think he is, if Spencer Rattler is all he's cracked up to be, Spencer Rattler does not lose to Kentucky. Spencer Rattler does not go into Lexington and get beat. It's hard for me to wrap my head around Spencer Rattler losing to the Kentucky Wildcats, right? I think by this point in the season, after a really tough start, some really tough ball games against Arkansas and Georgia, You'll have two weeks, as I said, to sort of, quote-unquote, lick your wounds and to get this thing rolling to be clicking on all cylinders. Charlotte and SC State should serve as two, I don't want to say tune-up games, but should serve as two opportunities for you to really start clicking and jiving and playing your best football, especially on the offensive side. Meanwhile, Kentucky's got to travel to Ole Miss the week prior and then come home to play the Gamecocks. So what will they be looking like coming off a really tough game against the Rebels? I think South Carolina will be clicking. I think South Carolina will be rolling. I'm expecting a really tough, back-and-forth, close, competitive football game. But again, if Spencer Rattler is the guy that I think he is, he will beat Kentucky. And I'm here to tell you, I think he is that guy. I think he is that dude. I think he will be a difference maker for this football team. I think his presence immediately will make this team better. I think it does make this team better. And am I saying it makes them good enough to win the SEC East or win the SEC or God forbid win the national title? No, I am not. But it does make them good enough to beat Kentucky. I've got the Gamecocks defeating the Wildcats. Give me South Carolina 28, Kentucky 23. And I also look at this as like, who is more likely to live up to big hype? Spencer Rattler or Will Levis? I think Will Levis is a fantastic football player. I think Will Levis will have a good season. I don't think he's as good as Spencer Rattler, and I think he will be outdueled this day, and I think the Gamecocks will pull the upset in a game that it might not be the most important game, but, man, it just feels like a game South Carolina has got to have 
going into the bye week. So again, guys, I've got Carolina 28, Kentucky 23, and that's got the Gamecocks going into the bye week for the first half, four and two overall, and one and two in SEC play at the halfway point. And that is part one of my game-by-game score prediction for the 2022 football season. Now, what's the overall mood of the fan base in the program at this point, right? You're four and two, one and two. I think that Kentucky game, guys, if it plays out how I predicted, because I think it's very realistic, this team starts one and two, right? I think games against Arkansas and Georgia are going to be really tough. Even after beating up on Charlotte and SC State, Kentucky's going to be a very big moment in determining sort of the direction of this season. Because if you get to the bye week three and three, right? And a good friend of mine, Brad Crawford, you all know who Brad is. He predicted the Gamecocks to start out three and four and 0 and four in SEC play. But just starting out three and three, 0 and three in SEC play, and you go into that bye week, it is going to be, if that happens, a very tough scene in Columbia, South Carolina, because you're going to feel like, okay, well, we've beat up on three non conference teams we were supposed to beat, and we've lost to everyone with a pulse, you know, how, how can you say to this point that we've had a good year? How can you say we've had a good year to this point, right? How can you say we've gotten our return on our investment that we thought we were going to get from Spencer Rattler? It'd be hard to say, right? So again, I think that Kentucky game, I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis put on that one. I think it's an extremely important game. And I just think with Spencer Rattler, if Spencer Rattler's all he's cracked up to be, I don't think you lose at Kentucky. I, I just simply don't. Um, and so for that reason, that's one of the reasons, though, I, I've got the Gamecocks again, four and two, one and two at the halfway point. I think fans, you know, won't be thrilled, but I think a win over Kentucky going in the bye will make you feel really, really good and just getting that wildcat-sized monkey off your back and sort of reversing that trend or at least snapping that trend in the short term will give us some warm and fuzzy feelings before we endure and take on, if you will, the second half of the 2022 slate. But guys, again, that is my part one, my first half, my game-by-game predictions for the first six games of South Carolina's 2022 football season. I've got the Gamecocks four and two, one and two in conference play at the halfway point. Again, wins over Georgia State, Charlotte, SC State, and Kentucky. Losses to Arkansas, Georgia. Would love to hear your thoughts. Where am I right? Where am I wrong? What are your predictions for the first six games of the season? Guys, a couple of listener questions or more like listener predictions before we get into our interview. Michael Cavalier says five and one for the first six. Ozzie Maverick, our resident Arkansas troll, says four and two. I highly doubt he's got the game Cox beating the Razorbacks. The solution just says Cox by 90. Thomas Holly says five and one. We squeak past Arkansas and lose a close one to Georgia at home, handle our non-con teams, and finally handle UK and upset them bad in their house. So those were the predictions. I've seen a lot of you out there, nine and three, eight and four, seven and five. There's been some six and sixes, but a lot of optimism, a lot of positivity around Gamecock Nation. I love to see it. And again, guys, Friday on the Friday show will be part two You will know my game-by-game score predictions for the final six games, and at that point, you will know my full predictions for this 2022 football season. Absolutely cannot wait, though. Again, guys, though, in the meantime, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments. What do you think the most important game of the season is, the most likely big upset, the most important three-game stretch, best case, worst case, how do you break down the schedule, all that good stuff, guys. I'm so excited because you know what? It is talking season, 
and the beauty is in the banter. Folks, thank you all so much for tuning in, guys. That's going to do it all for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Again, I appreciate the banter, the back and forth. I am so excited because we are truly rocking and rolling now, content bleeding out the eyeballs. Don't go anywhere, though. we got a great conversation, fantastic interview upcoming until Friday, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks running back Brian Maddox. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, he played for Gamecocks football from 2007 to 2010 during his career. He accumulated 214 carries for 833 yards and 10 touchdowns. He also had 34 receptions for 249 yards and three touchdowns. And, of course, he was part of that 2010 Gamecocks football team that went to the SEC championship. I'm very pleased to be joined by former South Carolina running back, Brian Maddox. Brian, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, man. No no doubt. I'm glad I can do it. Absolutely, man. So, hey, let's go back to the beginning for you because I was looking. I forgot. You are from the upstate, from Anderson, played your high school ball at TL Hannah, and you were part of that 2007 South kind of class, man, that I think really Gamecock fans look back and, and look at that one as sort of the game changer. You know, still to this day, it's the highest rated class in school history. You were a highly touted prospect being a four-star player. But again, coming from the upstate, man, talk about your recruitment. <laughs> of course, Steve Spurrier got you to Columbia, but did the upstate school play a factor in your decision-making? And just why did you choose South Carolina? Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, that's all you saw, you know, it was the orange and purple um, up there in Anderson and the upstate. But, uh, you know, once I started getting recruited, um, you know, it was they, – they were they were last to the party, uh, mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, and really, you know, not to speak bad about the, the Bowden era, but just wasn't something that, that was good, a good mm-hmm. feeling. Didn't feel like a good fit. Um, and Coach Gillespie and uh, Fred Chatham did an excellent job in the recruiting trail, uh, getting me to come to South Carolina. Yeah. How, how much of it was uh, – how much of a selling point was it to get to play in a Steve Spurrier coached offense? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no doubt that was definitely one of the major uh, selling points. And then, you know, along the, the recruiting trail, um, as guys were committing, um, you know, in that – and that highly t- talented class uh, that we had back in 07, um, it just made you want to be a part of something real special. Yeah, I was about to say, man, I was looking back at that class, and you look at names like Cliff Matthews and Chris Culliver yeah. and Steven Garcia, of course, who we just talked oh, about yeah. off air. And, dude, even the guys that were like three stars, I mean, people forget like Melvin Ingram was part of that class. Oh, yeah. Patrick, Patrick DeMarco, who was a two-star, was part of that class. And these are some of the most That's legendary right. Gamecocks. Uh, of yep. all time. So again, man, like you said, you get on campus, obviously 2007, a sparely used player that first year. Now, I, I kind of wanted to ask you moving to that because I felt like Brian, yeah. and you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I felt like for whatever reason, your entire career, you were a role player and a guy that, you know, yep. when you first got on campus, you backed up Corey Boyd, and then a guy named Marcus Lattimore came on campus and you shared yep. carries with Boyd and Lattimore and Mike Davis and Taylor Rank yep. and, but I feel like you were a guy, you played your role really well. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. guys, and, and I feel like you're probably one of the last, one of the few, the last of a dying breed, if you are with NIL and transfer yeah. portal, that guys just don't stick around. They don't tough it out. They, they don't want to be part of a team if they're not seeing X amount of carries. But just mm-hmm. talk about all the different running backs you played with. Because, again, you played with some of the yeah. best in school history, dare I say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, growing up, 
my dad instilled hard work, still does to this day. Uh, so playing behind Corey Boyd, just taking what I could learn from him, Mike Davis, um, you know, all, all those guys, Marcus even, uh, my last year, um, you know, my senior year, just taking what, you know, some of the things that they did really good and implementing it in, in, you know, when I when I got in the game. But, you know, it was never the uh, standpoint of, all right, you got to get ready. But when your number's called, you better be ready. So, um, you know, I feel like every time I got in, uh, you know, I, I produced. Um, and and, and, it, and it was uh, it was a good learning experience because coming out of high school, you know, <laughs> I, I was everything and uh, and and was one of the you know premier backs in the country in that class. So, um, you know, hard work, uh, you know, never even thought about transferring just because of, uh, you know, I got, you got to face those adversity, that adversity sometimes in life. And that was just some, some of those, some of those moments, uh, you know, you're sitting there shaking your head like, man, what, what else do I, uh, do I need to do? I'm the strongest person on the team. I, I, I'm never late. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard work and Hey, it is what it is. It's got me to where I am in life now, um, you know, in the business world. So I, I really do appreciate, um, you know, having to put in that tough, that the, you know, those tough times. Brian, how would you so. define your running style when you were at South Carolina? And do you feel like it evolved during your time in college? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I first got there, you know, just want to just, you know, strictly be downhill um, and then learn quickly that, Okay, yeah, you got to get downhill, but you also got to, you know, make some moves and, and make make one guy miss. And I feel like that's where it evolved. Um, you know, really, it clicked my junior year. Um, I, th I think uh, one of our last scrimmages that summer, uh, Darian Stewart got a helmet to my 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 left uh, shoulder. Um, I, I had gotten him in in uh, Tough Tuesday inside drill uh practice and uh that that kind of dampened me i think we we started out playing uh nc state um and i think i think i started four games that year um or at the beginning of that season and kenny miles filtered in because i was pretty banged up but from that but i mean it's just like i said man great experience um able to teach kids nowadays hey you, you don't want to just run uh you don't want that to be your first choice or your first thought because you might run into the same situation so um you got to put in the work and I, and I feel like kids these days they just got to keep hearing that um from guys that's been through the situation because not everybody's gonna make it to the NFL uh that's 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 clear yeah and the lifespan of a running back man and we see that position in the NFL and just how tough it is again I mentioned earlier Brian you played for I would say the greatest coach in school history Steve Spurrier obviously a legend a hall of famer Favorite Spurrier memories, or what was that that Spurrier experience like for you? Because I know it's different for for all players, and certainly he demands yeah. a ton from his quarterbacks. I mean, that's certainly the position where it's, you, you get probably some of the funniest banter and funniest stories, if you will. But anything yeah. specifically you remember about playing for the head ball coach? Oh yeah, um, Auburn my last year. Uh, I think I tell this story quite a bit, but um, it was one of the most memorable. Um, I think I called a pass uh, from Garcia. I got shoestring tackled, and I run back to the sideline. 
and coach is shaking his head and you know how he's getting it with his gimp and and he's like Maddox he's like B man don't don't let that happen again next next play jump his ass and I was like okay coach I said so all right so next guy I see I'm I'm gonna jump regardless um you know how tall he's standing or what so the guy a couple plays later um you know I caught caught a swing pass from uh, Garcia or a little flat route or whatnot and um, turned upfield and saw a guy and he started dropping his head. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting airborne here one way or another. So, um, you know, the rest is history there. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the most memorable moment with him. Um, you know, and uh, other than that, you know, being, being a freshman coming in and, things just changed. <laughs> you got, you got the recruiting trail. Um, and then, and then it's, let's get the business. Uh, and he, <laughs> I remember he, he did say, guys, you're not being recruited anymore. You just, you, Hey, you're another player here in South, South Carolina and you got to fight for your job. And I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> Dude, ironically enough, one of my questions in this conversation was going to be about, because I feel like for whatever reason, Brian, that picture, that play you're talking about against Auburn, that's one that's like that. That picture, for whatever reason, is what people remember about you. And it's just yeah. so ironic and so funny that yeah. you bring that up because I, like, I literally was telling some buddies, like, yeah, I got Brian Maddox coming on the show. They're like, oh, yeah, the guy that jumped over that guy at Auburn. Like, I just like, <laughs> yeah. it's that play yeah. for whatever yeah. reason people recall. Yeah. So, anyways, there you go. Love to hear that. Yeah, uh, like, like, oh, yeah. like you mentioned, man, in 2009, your, your play started to increase a lot. And I really feel like, ironically enough, again, that, that's where South kind of football, you, you started to see the change and that 07 class, I think, really started to pay off. You guys came into your mm -hmm. own. Um, like you said, yep. you started four games that year. It also was the beginning of the five-game winning streak against Clemson. Yep. Could you that's sense? Right. Could you sense things changing within the program? That obviously, again, Brian, your last year was 2010, and you guys go to yep. the SEC title. And of course, after you leave, the Gamecocks have three straight 11 win seasons. Could you kind of sense that kind of run coming? Could, could you feel that in the air where you guys were laying the foundation for something even bigger down the road? Yeah, and that's and that's what it's all about. You always want to leave something better than you found it. So, um, you know, as we started hitting that stretch in 09, um, you could feel the intensity um, throughout the program. Guys wanted to, you know, go to war for one another, um, didn't want to let each other down. Um, so, I mean, just, just uh, getting the experience of, um, you know, learning, learning what other positions are doing knows what's going on um and and that traction and that became contagious um and and you know ultimately helped us get to where we where we got to um and started that five game streak against clinton um and then make the start the sec championship everybody feels it fans feel it um you know just seeing how how a team is playing and with with no quit uh, not not giving up, um, you know. So it it just becomes contagious around the whole entire program. Recruiting uh, gets ramped up for you. Uh, so yeah, it's just just like I keep saying. Mm -hmm. Now again, you had a yeah. lot of memorable games in regards to um, 
you know, games you played in, participated in. I, I go back to 2009, that Thursday night against Ole Miss. I think that was like the first signature win for Steve Spurrier. You take down the fourth-ranked Rebels. The birth of Sandstorm, memories from the really a really special night at Williams-Brice Stadium against Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that was awesome. Uh, you know, turnovers left and right. Mm. Um, I, I don't remember how many exactly, but, um, you know, you had Norwood, um, Cliff Matthews, um, I think Clifton Gathers. They, they all were getting after, um, you know, the quarterback that night and, and the Ole Miss uh, uh, offense. But um, as far as, you know, being on offense, just getting off of, the, you know, on their vibe, um, defense creating plays, helping the offense, you know, obviously uh, gain momentum. Mm, for sure. And again, 2010 Bama, I think, is the other game I look at during your tenure. Uh, Brian, yep. as the signature win. I mean, have you ever been as part or part of as special a day on a football field as that one? Because I know many Gamecock fans, they still look back to that game and say that there's been nothing oh, yeah. like that at uh, at Willie B or, or or in general for South Carolina football. Yeah, I mean that was that was a signature win there. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely enjoyed that whole game. Um, I think I can't remember, you know, the the sharing of carries in that game, but definitely. Um, you know, had had I was a part of uh, one of the one of the best drives uh, mm-hmm. there in school history, and I think Marcus finished it off with a touchdown. But um, you know that that whole atmosphere being three thirty games, CBS. That's what you that's what you come and play um, in the SEC for, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, under the lights in William Bryce Williams Bryce. So. Yeah. Yeah, and Brian, just looking back at your career, I was going to say some of your top performances, uh, I'm just looking at, you know, the 9 23 carries for 66 yards in a tutty against North Carolina State. You look mm-hmm. at the Florida game in 9 17 carries for 82 yards in a tutty. The Clemson game in 9 18 for 44 in a touchdown. You then go to 2010. You're really – your breakout game against Vandy, 24 carries yep. for 146 yards in a touchdown – at, mm-hmm. Which of those which of those games stands out for you as you kind of look back on your college career and say like that that was the one where maybe you're just your favorite performance or or is it none of the games that I mentioned? No, I mean, um, you know, that was the Vandy game uh, my last year. Uh, definitely was the most memorable because that was a um, career high for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think touches and and in yards. So uh, definitely the most memorable um, of them all. But. Going back to the Bama, um, when we when we got that win, uh, that that was that that'll stick with me for the rest of my life um, because not a lot of teams beat Alabama, mm-hmm. and uh, we were one to do it. And um, just until last year, uh, Georgia <laughs> knocked them off, but we were the last team from the East to to beat them. So mm-hmm. definitely memorable. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say also, Brian, you were part of the, of course, South kind of Clemson rivalry and being an in-state guy. I know I know that had to really hit home for you and you get on campus, you lose to them your first two seasons, but you close out your career with back to back wins. And like we mentioned, you start that that five game winning streak. Uh, Just talk about being a part of that rivalry and which of the two victories was your favorite? Because I know both were sweet. Of course, oh, nine, you're in front of the home crowd. That was a huge win. And then 2010, I mean, you guys just went to Clemson and just dominated them. I mean, absolutely whooped them. Um, but, again, just just talk about that rivalry and being a part of that, especially being a dude from Anderson, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, so that rivalry, rivalry is all, you know, definitely the one of the better ones in the uh, college football scene or world. Um, and being from Anderson, my, 
you know, I, I really love playing in front of our home team our home, you know, our home crowd, excuse me. Uh, but going to Clemson um, and getting a job done uh, with a lot of the family that are wearing orange and purple um, throughout the area, getting that getting that game sealed and just whipping their butts uh, was definitely one of the most memorable. Even though I had a touchdown in 09. Uh, <laughs> didn't you also didn't you also recover the punt in ten? Right, I did. Punt. Yep. That was yep. you. Okay, I yep. thought so. I yep. thought so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, I thought I you, to, I'd be, I'll be honest. Scoop. I thought, I thought you should have scooped and scored it, man. I, you were close. I, I, I was close, <laughs> but hey, Coach Spurs starts playing in your head, man. Oh yeah, fall, fall on the dang ball. Yeah, fall on the ball. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that definitely, uh, very memorable. Yeah, now that was a fun one. It's like I said, I, I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that B Mad was the one that that got that point. Of course, that 2010 season, Brian, though, bigger than that. I mean, you guys went to the SEC championship, do the first time ever in school history, the only time ever in school history, doing things that had never been done at the University of South Carolina. I mean, just talk about that entire 2010 season, just that ride to the SEC title and go into Atlanta. And, I mean, again, it's you're, you're trying to – you have goals and you're trying to navigate towards those goals. But to actually walk into the Georgia Dome and realize, like, hey, we've done something that literally nobody – for many years thought was even possible at USC. I mean, that, 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 that had to be a magical season for all of you guys associated with South Carolina football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from start to finish, um, you know, we, we took our bruises here and there. Um, but, you know, I keep harping on, you know, just, just the camaraderie on the team, everybody believing in one another, um, you know, us running backs knowing exactly what our offensive line are doing, um, you know, and it, and it just became contagious. And, um, you know, we wanted to see more. We wanted to get more. Um, and so we just started knocking off some, some, some really good programs. And, you know, we – I mean, I, go, I even go back to that Auburn game. Um, we, <laughs> we, we could have won that football game uh, in the regular season. Um, you know, and that, and that was one of those, those moments like, Hey, look, we're watching film. We're getting better. Um, we're doing the necessary things to, uh, you know, continue to build on and which we did throughout the rest of the season by beating Alabama, um, and marching on, you know, through Florida to, to clinch it. Um, and then obviously make it to the SEC championship. So very memorable, memorable season, um, you know, and like I said, that, that'll be, be one that sticks with me for forever. Now, Brian, of course, before I get you out of here, man, I want to talk Gamecocks yeah. head coach Shane Beamer. First off, before I get into your thoughts on the program and everything, you were there while he was there. Any any memories yep. from Shane Beamer on the coaching staff? Did you have any sort of relationship with him? Any, I mean, obviously you were guy that was on special teams. I'm sure yeah. you guys rubbed shoulders oh, yeah. once or twice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, high energy. Um even back then, um, wanted wanted to get the most out of his players, and was a coach that you could talk to. You could always talk to him, and um, you know he he was like one of one of us. And so uh, you really wanted to play for a guy like that. And obviously, what he's doing right now is gonna definitely get us to where we need to get to, um, you know, in the future. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, certainly you go into year two after overachieving in year one, win your bowl game. You know, Coach Spurrier used to always say, uh, you know, things are a lot better when you win that last game of the season. Those bowl games are important. Yeah. You know, workouts are better. The vibes are better. Energy's better. And uh, certainly mm -hmm. we're seeing that with the hope and optimism. Just 
your thoughts on his early success as Gamecocks head coach. I, I know guys like yourself were thrilled when he got hired for the job and actually got the opportunity to see a guy that's bled the garnet and black and cut his teeth here, get that shot at being the head coach. But, you know, certainly with his year one success, your thoughts overall just on the program under his leadership moving forward. Yeah, I mean, definitely his leadership. I mean, everything rises and falls on leadership. So um, his leadership is definitely a style of um, where coaches around them want to be better, um, be better men. I mean, not just not just when you fo- you know we want to win football games, but hey, let's 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 be better men. Um, you know, on on this planet, um, and then talk about the players. Players want to play for a guy like that. Um, high energy. Uh, definitely know he's he's gonna he's got your back um you know and and you see that and as a player you're gonna fight for that guy to the end and and that's what we're starting to see and you know it's getting contagious again fans are getting super excited um from last year's success and what he's doing on the recruiting trail i mean that's that's definitely key um you know we we sealed a deal we win the state and recruiting um, is, is a definite goal that you have to um, try to, you know, reach or, or obtain um, in order to be successful. Um, you got to win the state that you're in first um, and then you branch out. But he, he's doing all the necessary things um, to take this program back to uh, uh, high levels. Ryan, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. I, I, before I let you go, though, I got to say something. I, I feel like you do a pretty good Steve Spurrier impersonation, if I heard you correctly earlier. <laughs> okay. I, I, I feel like you do a pretty darn good one. I've heard some good ones, <laughs> but I feel like you do a good one. You, do you have any other Spurrier zingers that you recall from, from – I, I know you had to hear Spurrier chewing out Garcia a time or two. But I know that was happening. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, when 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 did Garcia not get chewed by Spurrier? No, but uh, yeah, I, I'll say the same to him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he the the one thing that he always said to Stephen, and uh, <laughs> this this happened all the time, and, and it was just it was as, as simple as this. He's damn it, Stephen. I mean, come on. So, um, you know, we heard that over and over again, no matter what, what Garcia did. I knew I knew from day one it was going to be a fun time with that guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Always a good uh, Stephen Garcia story to go around. Well, again, Brian, I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been an absolute pleasure reliving your career. And I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it was an absolute pleasure to watch you play and do what you did in the Garnet and Black and obviously love to see you having success in your in your life after South Carolina football. And I know we're all excited for the upcoming season under Shane Beamer, just continue to watch yeah. the growth of the program under his leadership. Man, I appreciate you taking the time. Let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. Absolutely. He's Brian Maddock. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. <laughs>Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 